Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back live here on our big broadcast. We have got a tremendous guest with us. I am uh, just pleased as punch to be uh, chatting with our guest today, the fantastic Ira Shapiro, author of The Betrayal, how Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans abandoned America. This book is amazing. Um, Ira, welcome to the broadcast. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm very happy to be with you, James. Thanks so much for having me. So this book is spot on. Uh, I'll tell you, these. Uh, I was chatting with a great progressive today, Harvey Wasserman, and he was uh, talking about the corporate Republicans and the corporate Democrats. And uh, Mitch McConnell is the, you look him up in the dictionary, next to corporate Republican, and there's his photo. Um, tell me a little bit about your book and why you decided to write it. Well, um, I probably spoke, thought too much about the Senate over the years, more than any reasonable person would. I got hooked on it early in life. I was coming out of college. I got an internship in the Senate and I found it to be fascinating and a place where I could sort of see myself in public service and doing something good for the country. It was a time when the Senate was what I would call the great Senate, late 60s 60s and 70s. Spoiler alert for your listeners, I'm kind of old. So so I, I worked, I trained and I worked in the Senate for 12 years in the 70s and 80s and really loved it. And then I went on and did other things and circled back later, much later, to write a book called The Last Great Senate about the Senate when it had worked well. Yes. And following that, I I wrote it because I was worried about the decline of the Senate. And I, I will say my book didn't stop the decline. So I subsequently wrote another book called Broken about the Senate four years ago. And now... I wrote the third book, which charges the Senate Republicans and McConnell with betraying the country. So there's uh, an arc, long arc there. Well, I'll tell you that this this is, you know, Mitch McConnell, this guy, he is amazing because he has managed to do more shenanigans and more nonsense and has halted more progress, not just on the Democratic side, but on the Republican side as well. Um, how in the world did he get into the position that he got into? It's got to be a little bit more than just, 
He's a good fundraiser like old Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great, that question comes up in all my interviews. I mean, how did he get to this place? How does he exercise so much power? Yeah. And the question then becomes, James, I get asked, is, it re- is he really that powerful? Can any one person be that powerful? And so I would say that, you know, he rose in the ranks of the Senate Republicans over a long period of time. He was there 22 years before he actually became the Republican leader, minority, and then another eight years before he became majority leader. So he's played what he would call the long game, and he's done it very well. He's a very good strategist and a very good tactician. Um, but And he understands politics, and he understands Senate Republicans, their their needs, their goals, and nobody understands the donor base better than he does. Yes. So he does a great job of fundraising and a great job of sort of rewarding the donors accordingly. And if we look at the record of the Republican Party, you would say that the fossil fuel industry and the National Rifle Association and the gun manufacturers, among others, have done particularly well in the McConnell era. Yes. We have got a great guest with us today. Ira Shapiro is with us. The latest from him is the betrayal, how Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans abandoned America. And one of the things that I just find amazing about not just Mitch McConnell, but the Senate Republicans, is they just, they have this philosophy of they are not going to let time and space and all these things progress forward, and they're just going to stand in the way, and this is just the way things are, and and things are not going to change. And I'm like, guys... This stuff is, you're not going to be able to stop some of this stuff, like with, uh, like with oil. Uh, it's drying up. <laughs> We've almost mined all the oil on the planet. And somebody somewhere realized a couple years ago that solar and wind is the future. And I still think somebody somewhere is making some money on this. That's why all of a sudden it's like the greatest thing in the world. But... These guys just are not going to get out of the way. And then you mentioned earlier that the gun manufacturers, which is part of the reason why we have part of the reason why we have all the school shootings is because of the gun manufacturers. But the other part is the pharmaceutical industry, which they're 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 a donor to the, you know, the Senate Republicans as well. Um Talk about a little bit more about what you were saying earlier about the he really understands the donor base because that seems to be the biggest problem is the corporate donors. Well, I do think the corporate donors are a big problem in that sense. Yeah. And by the way, I distinguish the gun manufacturers from the pharmaceutical industry because pharmaceutical prices and everything are a real problem, but at least the pharmaceutical industry 
makes things that really actually matter to people. <laughs> well, that too. Lives, that too. Unlike the gun industry or perhaps the tobacco industry. Yeah. But you know what I'm what 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 is what drove my book um, this time, James, was a sense that senators used to have kind of an understanding that they had privilege, great privilege of being senators. But part of the deal was they had to have a sense of responsibility and commitment to the country. Yes. So that although, although they were partisans of one party or another, they also were, uh, they had national interests. They weren't just partisans. They would have to show independence on occasion and break with their party. They yes. represented their states, but they weren't state legislators. They, they had a national responsibility. And what I saw happening in the last, in, during the Trump presidency, and we all saw it, the Senate Republicans repeatedly uh, avoided that responsibility. They enabled Trump. They enabled McConnell. And as the situation got worse and worse for the country and we entered a catastrophic year of pandemic, and not only pandemic, but clear evidence that Trump was not going to accept an election result unless he won, they did nothing. These privileged people who are supposed to have national responsibility did nothing. And that's why betrayal is a harsh term, but it wasn't a title that I chose lightly. It's exactly what they did. They betrayed the country. Well, I'll tell you, I just, I am amazed that so many of these, especially the Senate Republicans, these these people are just amazing at some of the different things that they that they do and that they hold back so much progress. Um, talk to me a little bit about. Hope, go ahead, j jump in there, Ira. No, no, but I think I think you put it well. And and one of the things I try to emphasize, and you know this, and I'm sure your listeners do, but. It's important to focus on this. America had enormous problems and a broken politics and a dysfunctional federal government before Donald Trump came down the escalator oh, yeah. to run for president. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in other words, there's a, there have been 1,500 or so books written about Trump, but it's important to remember how long our system has been failing. Oh, and yeah. The, the system, it, you hit that on right. the head. The, the system has been failing. Uh, in, in fact, uh, one of the, uh, I don't even know if it's on Netflix anymore, but one of the uh, a great documentary, uh, I believe it was, Get, it's called Get Me Roger Stone. And <laughs> I'll tell you, Roger Stone and all those guys have been have been screwing with democracy since the seventies, since Reagan. That's true. <laughs> so, well, look, I, we Trump. Well, Trump is everybody likes to blame Trump, and there's there's a lot of stuff that Donald Trump did that was insane, 
And I'll tell you, Trump needed to go. He, he needed to go. But Trump is not the problem. It's all the crap that happened to get us to where we had Trump. I agree with that. Yeah. And the way I sometimes think of it, and you've you got a good lens if you go back to Roger Stone in the 70s, uh, for reasons I'll get into, but the way I think about it, I believe personally that Trump was a catastrophe for the country. Oh, yeah. But, oh, the, yeah. Cata- but the catastrophic failure of the government was the Senate. They were supposed to check a president who might be a threat to our democracy by abusing his power. They're the ones that failed. And specifically, the person who has been the most powerful, been the most successful in pursuing his objectives, McConnell, is at the center of that failure. Oh, yeah. But yeah. even though they failed to take action for the country most, most times, they did jump, they did rouse themselves long enough to ram through yet another Supreme Court justice eight days before the election. Yes. Which was a shockingly anti-democratic act. I entitled my chapter on that, The Banana Republic Confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. (laughs) Well, you're not wrong. (laughs) That is... uh... But you know, James, you, you put your finger on the long arc of this thing when you point to Roger Stone and Nick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they... they... No, no, but McConnell's first political consultant who helped him win his seat in 84 to the Senate was Roger Ailes. Yes. Roger Ailes had worked with Nixon in the 68 campaign. Roger Ailes went on, of course, to be a power at Fox News. Yes. Did more damage than anybody in the country, probably, to our politics, with the possible exception of McConnell. Well, and the thing that always, you know, like I have noticed, and and this is, this is the, uh, I say this all the time that I notice more and more things like this happening, and uh, if I'm noticing it, there's all sorts of other people that are noticing it, which means that uh, I don't know things things might change in in in, in a different way, but. Um, one of the things that I've noticed, especially with McConnell and the Senate Republicans, and, and this book is phenomenal, The Betrayal, How Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans Abandoned America. We're talking with the great author, Ira Shapiro, today, which, by the way, the minute I got uh, the possibility of being able to talk to you, I'm like a kid on uh, before Christmas, because uh, this book, you've hit this on the head, baby. Um, one of the things that I've noticed the last several months and and i notice it more and more all the time and like i said i think they all need to be a little concerned um i turn on the young turks and they are you know your progressive uh democrat leaning program and they say democracy has been captured by multinational corporations and they you know they rail against people like mitch mcconnell every day it seems and then I turn on Alex Jones, and Alex Jones is the complete other side of the coin. And on and on, he says this a lot now, more and more and more. And it's that 
Multinational corporations have captured democracy. And he's not a big Mitch McConnell fan either. And I'm like, you know, we could just somehow get both of these people together. (laughs) It's just, it's amazing to me that everybody is starting to realize that the problem is the corporate Republicans, the corporate Democrats, the multinational corporations. Yeah, granted, you know, Alex Jones goes off into various things about the new world order, but I got news for you. The real new world order are the are the are the the donors. That's the real new world order because McConnell, when when Trump was in there, yeah, he kind of let Trump have have some stuff, but every once in a while he'd get into it with Trump. And I think the only reason why he got got into it with Trump is because the donors are like Trump's out of control. Uh, you do this. We're paying you. You do this. Well, look, I think it's I think it's complicated in the sense that McConnell didn't expect Trump to win. But well, that Trump too. Won, McConnell, McConnell saw it as a big opportunity. He says, how long how often do you get the White House and Congress? And he saw it as a big opportunity for his priorities which started with stacking the Supreme Court, but also extended to more tax cuts for the rich. Oh, that is their and, favorite thing. They love the tax cuts for the rich. Deregulation of environment, health, yes. and safety. Yeah. So he was stopped only once. He also saw it as his chance to try, as you know, to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And he was defeated on that. Yeah. But... The thing is, the Republican Party has moved far, far. They, they keep moving, right, from conservatism oh, yeah. to essentially a form of radicalism. And now, I'm afraid, white nationalism. And McConnell, he, his genius has been to surf the madness of the Republican Party and stay, you know, he stays afloat. But I think that Right now, he's counting on something he understands, which is the Democratic president. Therefore, I have to obstruct him and make him fail. And the out-of-party power, the out-of-power party, will do well in the midterm elections. Yes, that's his playbook. Yep. Well, and 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 I have an answer to it. Okay, go. I'd love to hear it. No, no, name. No, no. For those people who are concerned about where the country is, these 2022 Senate elections are absolutely critical. Climate, political climate for Democrats is bad, but the map of the country is good. The Republicans have more seats up. They have some bad candidates. We have some very good candidates on the Democratic side. You want to change the direction of the country? You defeat Republican senators and reduce McConnell's power. Well, and that is that is one thing that I have noticed uh, more and more all the time is that the progressives and the actual people that want to get things done, it's younger and younger and younger. And I think it's because they have seen 
mom, dad, grandma, they've seen all this stagnant wages and no health care and all these things, and they finally have realized there's more of us than there are of them. And at some point, they're going to vote these people out. It's just I'm worried about the fact that the corporate Democrats especially are already grooming their their people to take the place of Pelosi and some of these people. And you have to know that the corporate Republicans are doing the same thing because they're they know at some stage of the game they're going to have to Mitch McConnell's either going to pass away or retire <laughs> and they're going to have to have somebody ready to take that spot. I guess that's true, but I, I want to, you know, I don't, I don't subscribe at all. I, I don't think you do, but I don't subscribe at all to the sort of both sides are sort of wrong and equal in any way. Yeah. I think that if you look at the course of the last 15 years, particularly, you would find Democrats and Democratic presidents trying to move the country forward, and you would find Republicans obstructing, number one. Yes. Or taking advantage of the Trump presidency, number two, and simply doing nothing on every major problem facing the country. Oh, yeah. I blame. Oh, yeah. I blame McConnell for everything that's wrong with the country. With, at the governing level, with the exception of inflation, oh, yeah. I don't blame him for that. Yeah, I I, I, I blame inflation on uh, multinational corporations. <laughs> you know, just go down the list. I blame them for everything. So one of the, the things, I, the reason I emphasize, yes, it, go ahead, brother. That you, no, no, but the reason I emphasize it is that Democrats kind of often go off in different directions. You know, everybody's got their own priority. Or they kind of feud among themselves, the progressives and the moderates. Or they get discouraged. And what I'm saying is, the thing that ought to unite all of us is a recognition that we have to get rid of McConnell and the Senate Republicans. Yes. They are the block on the nation's progress. Oh, yeah. That is... That is totally the thing, is that you've got to somehow get rid of him and get rid of the... you got to take over that Senate somehow, and it's just that there's so many things. The thing that always worries me about, and I'm sure you detail it in your book, is that the Democrats spend a lot of their time going, oh, what can we do? Oh, my God, it's the Senate parliamentarian. It's all this stuff. Whereas McConnell and the Republicans, whenever they have a problem, like I think at one point when they did the tax cuts for the rich, they had a parliamentarian that said, you know, I don't think this would be good on the budget. And they simply went, well, you're fired. We'll just get somebody else and we'll say it's okay. And I'm like, yeah. the Republicans have no problem going, well, get out. <laughs> Whereas the Democrats go, well, pff, it's a Senate parliamentarian. We can't do anything. 
I've actually thought of that a lot. You know, it's often said it's an uneven match, right? The Democrats yes. bring a policy paper to a knife fight. Yes. Um, well, I know, you know, Obama, he spent several years doing this thing of, well, we're going to work together. And then he realized, yeah. like, a, I don't know, about a year before his presidency was up, he's like, well, this ain't going to work. And Joe Biden is doing the same yeah. thing. Biden gets in there and goes, well, we need to have everybody work together. And now I think he's realized, well, this ain't working. <laughs> so. Well, I think he, look, I think he, I think he realized it pretty early on. He's a good faith player. And if he can work with other people, he would like to do it. Oh, yeah. But I and I think, think they all would. And I think it would be, you know, one of the things, and we were talking a little bit about the, the Roger Stone thing earlier is that I remember when Reagan, he would often have issues with Democrats and they would sit down and work out the problems and they would move forward. And it's like now nobody does that. Well, the nobody is McConnell. Yes. Oh, obviously. Yeah. I mean, in other words, Reagan found that he could work. Reagan was, able to work with people, but he had Democrats that would work with him. Yes, yes. Jimmy Carter wasn't the greatest president in terms of political ability. But no, and that's that, that I think is... Howard Baker. Yeah, and I think that was I mean, there, the issue, is that Jimmy, he was just a nice guy. <laughs> and that was not a good idea for being the president, so... Well... We, that's a, we can have that discussion some other time. Because it, it was, I think it was more complicated than that. Yeah. He actually had he didn't have dirt on people. Agenda, <laughs> and he didn't like Congress. Yes. He didn't like yes. Congress. But he worked with them, when he, and he got a lot of things done. Oh, yeah, he remember. did, and he was great. And, and I'll tell you, every time I hear these righties... And these conservatives yell and scream about, oh, he's the worst president since Jimmy Carter. I'm like, guys, <laughs> it's it's kind of like whatever they call Biden a progressive. <laughs> I'm like, guys, yeah. name one progressive <laughs> policy that he's passed. <laughs> so you're based where? I'm talking to you. I am in Kansas, unfortunately, <laughs> where, where Look, but, we... But Kansas- it is Republican Central, baby. <laughs> well, it's Republican Central, but don't you have a Democratic governor? We do, but she kind of just lets the Republicans do whatever they want, and then everybody campaigns on, oh my God, we're going to have to return to the Republican governor. And I'm like, we're kind of already still there. Because <laughs> no, she but- was... But think about it. Think about it for a moment, because it, Kansas is a good example of what's happened to our politics. I grew up with Republican senators from Kansas, Bob Dole, yes, and Nancy Cassabell. Yes, these were people who were Republicans, but they were statesmen and women. They were people who, you know, they'd be Republicans, but they were looking out for the country. Yes. They worked with Democrats. Everyone yes. admired them. And then you had Kathy, Catherine, Kathy, 
Sebelius, yes. who was a Democrat and respected as well. So what's happened is, the, in my view, that we don't have the caliber of people that are the same in terms of their understanding of what their responsibility is. And the Republican Party has just kept moving to a more and more crazy position. Yes, very much so. Well, your book is amazing. You have put together just a great book here. Um, how do people buy the book and support with what you're doing? Well, thank you. Go. You can go to www.irishshapiroauthor.com. You find out about the book and how to buy it. But also, you can buy it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Um, but it's wonderful to be able to speak with you and, and reach your audience, James. And also, I'm, I'm really delighted that you like the book so much. Well, I'll tell you, I, I definitely want to do this again at some stage of the game. Um, get in touch with your PR people and get my email and everything from them. And uh, I, I would love it. to have you back on when we have a little bit more time. Uh, you're amazing, and uh, good luck with the book. And I'll talk to you soon, Ira. Thanks so much, and I'll, I'll be back later in the summer. Take definitely. Care. Definitely. I appreciate it, my friend. Have yourself a good week. Bye. Thank you. There he goes. That's Ira Shapiro. And uh, we're knocking him out of the park today, baby. Get a hold of us online at JiggyJaguar.com. That is that, and we will see you next time. are back live here on our big broadcast coast to coast border to border on iHeartRadio today we have got bob baldwin and jay ledbetter with us today they are avid outdoorsmen and they just released a brand new book detailing some of the funny and almost unbelievable things they've encountered on their many hunting expeditions and uh, bob and jay join us today here on our big broadcast so gentlemen tell me a little bit about your book here Ah, so where do we start, right? So uh, we, we, we've created our first book. We've actually got 30 stories written. Um, our first book only contained a few of them. Um, and we're working on our second book. And these books really arrived as a result of our own personal escapades in the uh, hunting and fishing field, right? We used to read uh, Matt Mc, Pat McManus stories um, to each other, uh, an outdoor writer that was uh, the humorous outdoor writer. And Jay at one point in time said, hey, Bob, um, I think some of the things that you do remind me of Pat McManus's story. So maybe we should chronicle them. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, gentlemen, uh, this book, tell me a little bit about the book and how we buy the book. Well, um, you can buy it on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Um, it's easy to buy. You Basically, the name of the book is Proper Care and Feeding of a Hunting Buddy. Uh, no, no G, Hunting Buddy. Um, and you can buy it in either place. Um, we, at, when it was initially released, we actually gave, made it to, I think, to the 16th position in the Humor and Outdoor Story section. Uh, we've dropped a little bit since then, but we're looking to kind of boost that up. Um, and, um, and, and, and really we had as much fun writing the stories as we've had reading them or, or, um, actually being in them, shall I see. 
awesome. That's awesome. So when you guys sat down to put this book together, um, what was your writing process like? D- d- take me through all that. Oh, I got this one, Bob. I got it. <laughs> Here, here's, here's how it all works. Bob and I like to go hunting together. Now, I want you to understand that we call it hunting, although uh, really what we do is carry expensive hunting equipment through the woods to no effect. So that's fantastic. Uh, we, we are we are hunting equipment carriers, really more than hunting. You know, but, that sounds like me if I were to go fishing. <laughs> well, we've had fishing stories with exactly the same results. No fish were injured in the making of this story. But so, so the bottom line is that uh, uh, we we chronicle real life. Uh, our hunting stories are basically real life events, uh, and the funniest ones are the most true. And it's, it's very much, if you'll imagine then that uh, Bob is the intellectual among us. He's the smart guy. He knows everything. He's got all the tricks and techniques. Uh, I'm a little bit of a, of a, of a klutz, a buffoon. Uh, and so the, the stories are much like Bob trying to deal with me. That's no, pretty much and, it. And, and the truth is, right, the truth is there is a kernel of truth in every one of our stories. It may be a very small kernel, but there's a kernel of truth in every story, and it well, ends up being funny. Well, the bottom line is that the, the best ones are the most true ones. That's the sad thing. So Jay actually is the real writer. Jay has a way with words that you just couldn't believe. He's funny. If you've ever read Pat McManus's stories, um, Jay writes extremely funny thing. And I, you know, in, in spite of the fact that he says he's the klutz, I'm the one that does all the pratfalls, right? Um, Jay just is too kind to um, accuse me of being a klutz and a, uh, you, you know, and, and stupid. So that's. Well, there, there was that one time when I did a botched half-crossing of an electrified fence, uh, and Bob chronicled the whole thing. It, it, it was it was delightful for him, at least. Well, the only thing that was missing is I didn't have a whiteboard in order to mark down the uh, you know the the score that I give you. I would I would really give you about a, a nine point four on your attempt to get off of that wire. Well, yeah, and then Bob would hunt with me uh, for the rest of the of the time, even though uh, he had to be a little bit upwind because I smelled of urine after that so <laughs> that's awesome so if, if people want to buy this book how, how do they do this exactly go on amazon and uh, amazon look it up the proper care and feeding of a hunting buddy uh, or barnes and nobles got him either way yep fantastic well uh well gentlemen i am I we we are on quite the roll here, and I know at some stage of the game we're going to get kicked off here because of all this rain and nonsense here. So I am going to get with your PR people and get you back on when we have a little bit more time. Um, you guys are amazing. Thanks for doing this today. Thanks for chatting well, with me. And and we'd love we'd love to come back and maybe chronicle or tell you a little about some of some of our stories. You'd get a flavor of what it is we do. So yes. we appreciate your time today. Yes. Um, and if we can reschedule, that would be an awesome. That would be awesome. I, I will get on that as soon as I uh, get off the horn here with you guys. All Thank right. You well, so much. appreciate Good it, gentlemen. Good luck with the storm. Oh my God! It's been raining here for like three, four days. It's like I thought I was living in Seattle. But uh, uh, I appreciate it, gentlemen. 
well, and Jay could use Jay could use a little rain in in uh, Texas right now, and we just had a tornado <laughs> that went through about twenty miles north of me here a couple oh. days ago. So, so yep, yep. Well, I appreciate right. it, gentlemen. That that thank you guys. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. There they thank go. You. Take care. And uh, we are going to go to our break. And when we come back, we've got more coming up. We are back live here on our big broadcast. We are coast to coast and border to border on iHeartRadio today and also AMFM247.com. We have got a great guest with us today. He is uh, one of our favorites. Harvey Wasserman is with us. Harvey is amazing. I love Harvey, and uh, I am so happy that he's back with us here on our big program. And um, Harvey, I got to get your thoughts on a lot of the things going on. First of all, um, this situation with the guns is just incredible. I, I am just always amazed every time there's a school shooting and then the corporate Democrats go out and fundraise off of it, and they never do anything. Uh, what, what, what do you think about all this, my friend? It's a, it's a, uh, a, a, I don't have to tell you. I mean, it's appalling, and it's very simple. We need background checks. Ninety percent of the public supports background checks. Every country in the world except the United States has them. If, you know, uh, if, we, if the government is going to be intruding uh, on a woman's choice uh, about over her own body, uh, how can we not have regulations on guns? I mean, it just it just makes no sense. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity to vent. I mean, I have a, a, a daughter who teaches school. Um, you know, she's terrified. Uh, and can't, how do you protect your classroom? And, uh, you know, she's already calculating that uh, if there's a gunman in there, she's going to die because she's going to, have to, you know, protect the kids first. Uh, and when you're having conversations like that in your home, you know that there's something wrong. So we need background checks. I hate guns, and uh, like so many others, and it's just a ridiculous thing. I mean, how can we not do this? How can we claim to be civilized? And by the way, since, uh, since I do have some slight thing to add here as a historian, the Second Amendment, says uh, 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 a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right to keep and bear arms should not be abridged. Now, they always forget the first part. As far as I'm concerned... (laughs) Yes, they do. Nobody nobody who is not in a well-regulated militia should have a gun. And if you're going to get a gun, you have to prove that your having a gun contributes to the security of a free state. It's as simple as that. If James Madison, who I've studied very, very deeply, um, had wanted everybody to have a gun for no purpose whatsoever, he would have said that. And the Second Amendment would have been just the second part. But they made it clear. If you're not in a well-regulated militia, you have no right to a gun. If you're having a gun does not contribute to the security of a free state, you have no right to have a gun. It's as simple as that. And so background checks should include a description of the well-regulated militia to which you belong. It's as simple as that. Well, I mean, see, this, this is the thing, Harvey, that I don't understand about all this, is that at one point we had a, 
assault weapons ban and we had background checks we had all these things and the world kept spinning <laughs> so i'm like why can't we just go back to that well you got a good point and we should and uh, if we had a, a, a democratic party that was functional and it actually stood for something we could get it that's the problem we have Yes. We have a Democratic Party that claims to represent the people that stands in the way of all these incredibly important things, starting with gun control. You know, if my daughter has to sit at the kitchen table and calculate how she's going to die to protect her children in her classroom, uh, you know, there's something really wrong. And uh, we are not the greatest country in the world, for sure, because other countries, you don't have school teachers sitting around making these kinds of calculations. Well, and the thing that gets me is that all these, and all these, all these Republicans, what, what, whether whether they're the 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 conservative MAGA folks or the um, corporate Republicans, they're all pro-life. Well, except when it comes to uh, preventing children from getting slaughtered at school. Right. The, the <laughs> That's okay the then. Are, yeah, they're pro-life except for the kids that are already born. Yeah. And, you know, it's outrageous. And I want to say, by the way, uh, let's jump in on the uh, abortion issue. Although abortion is not the issue. It's a woman's right to control her own body. These guys talk about original uh, interpretations of the Constitution, and they say even though abortion was totally legal in 1789 when the Constitution was um, uh, ratified, there was no question. A woman could have an abortion if she wanted one in 1789. There was no mention of the... It wasn't an issue. You know, it became an issue when uh, when the Puritans decided to retake America. But the bottom line is that the abortion, as we want to talk about it, although it's really just a question of a woman's control over her body, was legal in, the, in America, in North America, for 20,000 years. The indigenous tribes who who were the, the civilization of North America, and they were civilized. Um, this was not an issue. In fact, the, the tribes, most of the tribes were run by women. They were matriarchies. And if you, and, and, you know, before the white people came here, if you had told an indigenous woman that uh, she couldn't control her own body, she would have looked at you cross-eyed like, what? You know, what, what planet are you from? So, you know, abortion or a woman's right to choose or a woman's control over her own body has been with uh, American civilization uh, since the coming of the indigenous. And, uh, you know, the the Constitution, which makes no mention of abortion, was ratified in 1789 after indigenous people had been here for 10 or 20,000 years. So, come on. You know, uh, uh, and I will want tell you, and I don't know if this, how this is going to play out, but you heard it here first. Indi- the abortion has become, and it may, may become, a major issue on the reservation because these the tribes have sovereignty, including in Oklahoma and Texas, where you know everybody's so up in there on their high horse about protecting life. It's BS, and wherever you have a, a, a reservation. The indigenous have the right to have a woman's reproductive health clinic, and and um, uh, it, I don't know what the Supreme Court thinks it's going to do, 
But the the, the, uh, Constitution is very clear, as interpreted by John Marshall, the first great Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, when he ruled in the 1830s that, by God, indigenous, they they couldn't have a state. The Cherokee wanted to create a state, and he told them that they could not create a state because the Constitution says you can't create a state out of an existing state even though it was done in 1863 by Abraham Lincoln to create West Virginia, but that's not another story. <laughs> but, that, but the bottom line is that uh, the indigenous have sovereignty. They were able and have been able to continue running casinos uh, independent yes. of state law. And, they, and by God, they have the right to reproductive health clinics. And if, if the state of Texas or Oklahoma wants to send in troops to prevent the indigenous from running abortion clinics, that's what they're going to have to do, because it is an absolute constitutional right of the indigenous to, to, to have women's health clinics. And, try, and I, want, I want to add to you, by the way. Yes, if go ahead, were really serious, if, if these right-wingers were really serious about preventing abortion, then they would support the number one organization that has prevented more abortion than any other uh, organization in the history of the United States, which is Planned Parenthood. Because Planned Parenthood offers the two things that avoid uh, uh, abortions more reliably than any other thing, including making it illegal. And that is women's health education, especially for young women, and so that they know what's going on, and uh, um, uh, contraception. Contraception prevents more abortions than anything else. And, you know, Planned Parenthood has been providing those services uh, for more than 100 years. And if you want to stop abortion, right-wingers, then support Planned Parenthood. Well, and they <laughs> – and the. The thing that I find absolutely amazing, by the way, we've got uh, Harvey Wasserman with us today. He is amazing, as always, and he has a tremendous article, Women's Rights Protest March in San Francisco. He's got the real founders of American society were not the 55 rich white male interlopers. It was... uh, the original founders, but the uh, we've got the link to his entire article about indigenous women who controlled their own bodies on our website at cheekycheckwire.com. He is amazing. And uh, Harvey, one of the things I find so strange about the righties is they uh, they want to do this this stuff where we're going to ban abortion. We want all these kids to get, you know, we don't want to we don't want to do abortion. We want to get all these kids here. But once they get here, we won't let them have uh, food stamps or paid family leave or any of this other stuff or health care. But uh, we really want all those kids to, to, to get here. It's about the repression of women. Yes. You know, the, 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 I have a book out, and you'll love it. I'll send you a copy. It's called The People's Spiral of U.S. History. Awesome. And the, the, uh, the basic uh, context of the idea is that American history, U.S. history, has been a, uh, a back-and-forth a dialectic between the indigenous culture and the Puritan culture. And the Puritan culture, which came here in force in 1630 to Boston, which is a very different city now, but uh, uh, was that the, the Puritans were, were misogynistic, um, uh, male-dominating, uh, violent, racist, um, uh, you know, fanatics. 
Yes. And they, uh, they, their number one uh, item was to control women. And so uh, that's what these guys are. These are new Puritans. Uh, although it's hard to characterize Donald Trump as a Puritan, but he's certainly <laughs> a, a, a racist uh, misogynist. So, um, you know, they, this is about controlling women. This has nothing to do with uh, the, the spirit of the child. Uh, if, these, if these people were so concerned about the human spirit and the right to life, they'd, ab- they'd abolish the death penalty, for God's sake. We yes. are, we are, we're not sure when human life begins, but we're 100% sure that the death penalty has, has murdered uh, many innocent people. There's absolutely no doubt about that. The hundreds of people that have been put to death uh, by the American judicial system, state and federal, uh, we are 100% sure that some of them were completely innocent of any crime. There's yes. no doubt about that. So, uh, yeah, so these guys support um, uh, forcing women to have uh, take pregnancies to term, even in, even in cases of rape or incest or danger to the, to the mother. But uh, they, they, they proceed with the death penalty. You know, when, when Trump was leaving office, thank God, that's one of the great phrases in all of American history. <laughs> yes. When Trump was leaving office, he murdered, he flat out murdered 13 federal prisoners whose, whose uh, appeals had not been extinguished, whose, whose, uh, in many cases whose guilt was very much in doubt. And he just took the opportunity, because he could, to kill 13 people who yes. were in prison. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this is not exactly an expression of uh, sanctity of life here. So, uh, you know, it's outrageous. And this whole abortion issue has absolutely nothing to do with a right to life. It has to do with men controlling women. And uh, God help us, it needs to stop. Well, we have got Harvey Wasserman with us today. He joins us live here in our program. And... Uh, one another thing I want to get into is the fact that I'm starting to notice, which is, I I, I think it might be uh, if I'm noticing it, there's a lot of other people noticing it. But I turn on the other day, I turn on the Young Turks, which is a progressive, you know, Democrat leaning program, and they're talking about the fact that. Democracy has been captured by multinational corporations who own both parties. And then an hour later, I turn on Alex Jones, who is completely the other side, conservative, uh, you know, he's right wing and all this. And he ends up saying the phrase, multinational corporations have captured democracy. And I'm like, okay, if both sides know this. How do we get something fixed in this country, Harvey? Well, the, the, it has to be done by door-to-door campaigning. Now, I run a, uh, I convene a, um, a Zoom call every Monday. You're more than welcome to come on. I'd love to have you, actually. That would be awesome. Yeah, um, send me the details, my yeah, friend. Um, yeah, it's a Zoom call. We, we go every Monday at 5 o'clock. We've done 95 of them. We usually have about 95 people. And we talk about how to restore our democracy. And the way to do it, and this is the only way we're going to happen, I hate to say it, I would love to see a third party, but third parties have a pretty sorry history in this Yes, (laughs) on both sides. (laughs) Yeah, so 
what we need to do is have young progressives like AOC and and so on uh, capture the Democratic Party and take all the money that we have that Bernie raises and go door to door with door to door relational advertising campaigning and yes. set up democracy centers. Yes, we do know how to do it. It's it's not rocket science, and we we need to circumvent the Democratic Party. It's not going to happen with the Republicans. And, you know, the bottom line is, you know, they're yelling at uh, young leftists for being so-called socialists. The bottom line is that me and all, and I'm 76, so, and all the young people, we support this, what the, the public wants. The public wants universal health care. Yes. The public wants a protected yes. democracy. The public wants public housing and into, into homelessness, into hunger, free higher education, uh, protect the environment, end war, all these great things that we get accused of being socialist leftists for uh, are supported by the vast majority, not just small majorities, the vast majority. Well, and you bring, up, you bring up an excellent point. I, I remember during uh, the last election, the, the Joe Biden-Trump election, uh, on MSNBC and on Fox News, they were both taking exit polls of what voters were were wanting and why they were voting and on msnbc they ended up having to stop this because everybody was talking about how they wanted medicare for all and they wanted a livable wage and then fox news shortly afterwards they had to stop doing the same thing because conservative voters were saying why don't we have health care and why don't we have a livable wage? And I'm like, guys, the walls are closing in on the corporate Republicans and the corporate Democrats because progressives and real conservatives are starting to go, you know, why are things screwed up so much? Yeah, well, <laughs> we know what we know. Just look at Elon Musk, for God's sake. I mean, what a, what a lunatic. And all of a sudden he's saying, oh, the Democrats are too race-based. I'm going to be a Republican now. I'm going to be with Trump. I mean, you know, same with this Larry Ellison from Oracle. They're just the same old robber barons, you know, the Rockefellers and the Morgans that we had uh, 120 years ago, 140 years ago. I mean, it's just the same old stuff. The rich uh, are out of control, and uh, money is in politics. And uh, that's what we got to get out. But we found we can beat money with grassroots organizing. So yes. it has to happen. Yes. This, this, you, you ask for a practical road. We have to be running young, uh, progressive people who support what the American public wants in these Democratic primaries. That's what's got to happen. And, you know, you got one in, you know, it just kills me. This creep um, uh, in, uh, some, in, in Texas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anti-choice, you know, anti-everything, calls himself a Democrat, and he runs as a a wonderful young woman running against him uh, who's pro-choice, pro-health care, the whole deal, and um, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all these... They go and they support that, yeah, they they support this guy who, last I checked, he'd been raided by the FBI... And all yes, these right. other things. Oh yeah, exactly. I'm just amazed by 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 their uh, 
but by some of the things that that's like I remember I, I think it was during the the Biden Trump election there were real progressives that had won primaries and they got in there and the Republicans and the Democrats teamed up on campaign ads against the progressive and exactly. I, I just That's can't understand stop. all this uh, and and it's well because they- these guys, the, the Democrats, the, the corporate Democrats, are exactly that. They're corporate, and then they're, oh, yeah. they're as the afterthought, they're Democrats. So we, well, we, this is no mystery. If you look in my history book, Ziggy, I'll send it to you, and I'll give you a quiz next time. <laughs> but this happens, <laughs> you know, this has happened again and again in American history. Whenever you have real forces for social change, the two parties unite to fight them. Well, and, and I'm starting... And so we, I'm, I'm st- one of the things that I liked about the Republicans, although they've they've they have abandoned this because they're 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 it doesn't matter. It's it's whether it's a corporate Republican or a corporate Democrat, they're all the same. They're they're owned by the same multinational corporations. But one of the things I liked about the last election cycle when when they had Biden and, and Trump was that the corporate Republicans, if if a conservative or a MAGA or whatever you want to call these people, if they had won the primary, they went ahead and supported them and they, you know, pushed them and they ended up getting, you know, Senate and, you know, House of Representatives, all these things. Well, now it's the reversal because they've tried to primary these people and get them out of there. And they're doing the exact same thing. The corporate Republicans are doing the exact same thing to the conservatives that the Democrats are doing to the progressives. And exactly. They, they just, they're like, we don't want to listen to you. We want you out of here. <laughs> and right. it's just. And the bottom line is that, that, that uh, you know, social change is only going to come with this new generation. I mean, what we have on our side, and I, I talked about this in the spiral of U.S. history. And by the way, Anybody wants a copy of a PDF of my new history book, The Spiral of U.S. History, email me and I will send you a free PDF. Okay, it's, it's Silvertopia, Silvertopia, S-O-L-A-R-T-O-P-I-A, uh, at Gmail. Just email me, Silvertopia at Gmail, I'll send you a free copy of uh, the PDF of the People's Spiral of U.S. History. So I'm going to send you to So the bottom line is, is this. We can win these elections. We can change this country. Well, and, and I'll uh, tell you, there to... was there was a gentleman. I'm trying to remember what his name was, but he ran in Pennsylvania. He was the lieutenant governor. Betterman. Yes, Betterman. Betterman. He won. And he won he the won. primary because and the, you know, you the Democrats were like, ah, he's not going to win nothing. So they never bothered with him. And they, he, he won. He their guy. <laughs> well, you're going to love this. You know when he had the biggest outburst of grassroots support? They were recruiting people that worked for him, and he came out for on a specific issue, and they saw a giant surge in enthusiasm. You know what the issue was? Legal pot. Yes. Because, yes. You know, he is, he is promising to repeal the federal law against legal pot, and he is a very outspoken, you know, a joyful uh, pot smoker. And, yes. uh, you know, and you look at the guy, the guy is 6'8", he, he campaigns in sweatshirts and shorts, um, and he's actually not all that great. He's not against uh, he's not against fracking, which I am, he's not against nuclear power, which I am, but nonetheless, 
He's a very very progressive, obviously, guy. And uh, he wanted a landslide. He crushed the corporate. Well, uh, and I'll, and uh, I'll tell you, he is, you know, if whoever they run – on the on the on the other side against him in November, if they run that idiot Doctor Oz, he's going to beat him. Oh, and I think if he if he beats uh, if if they manage to let the other guy win, I think he'll beat him too. What one of the things Harvey that I find amazing, and you brought this up earlier, is that all these guys and all these girls that a lot of these people. Are you know that they they like for instance Doctor Oz or even Trump? These guys used to be Democrats, and then all of a sudden they realized, well, I can't win as a Democrat, so I'll become a Republican, and all the Republicans fall for it. <laughs> and I'm like, do these people not realize? That they're being taken advantage of by these guys. These guys are just all scumbags and charlatans, is what they yeah, are. That's what they are. Well, you know, Trump set the pace. And you got to remember one thing about Trump. <clears throat> Trump is the same person as Vladimir Putin. These guys, Putin and Trump, they are cosmic twins. And if you want to see the future of the United States, a look at what's been done to Ukraine. I mean, these Republicans love Putin. They don't care that he's slaughtering uh, an entire country. And I've been there, by the way. I've been to Ukraine. I've been to Kiev. I mean, it was a beautiful city, Kiev. And uh, and these guys, uh, you know, they think Putin is wonderful. Uh, he's a dictator. He calls himself a Christian. I mean, what is a Christian these days if, if these guys are slaughtering people uh, 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 by the thousands and destroying their country? It's, it's a nightmare. Well, well, Harvey, um, you know, you're you're amazing, my friend, and I definitely want to have you back when we have more time. Before we let you go, how do people get your books and and get involved with what you're doing online, my friend? All right, so if you want my book, it's actually in Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, but if you want a, a, a an autographed copy or a free uh, PDF, email me Solartopia S O L A R T O P I A at gmail.com, and I will send you a, a free PDF. I'm going to send you one, uh, Jiggy, and we'll talk about it next time, and there'll be a quiz, so you better study up. <laughs> well, I love you, my friend. Keep up the good fight, and I will talk to you soon. Have yourself a well amazing Thursday, anytime. my friend. I love being on with you, bro. Call me anytime. Definitely. Talk to you. Definitely. Thank you, Harvey. Okay, have, have yourself a good week, my friend. You too. Take Appreciate care. Appreciate it. There he goes. That's Harvey Wasserman, one one of the good guys, and uh, he is he is amazing. He's a he's he's an actual real progressive. He believes in the things that everybody should believe in, and he calls it down the middle. He realizes both sides are playing against the middle. They're all owned by the same people. We are going to take a time out. When we come back, we've got more coming up. It is your big broadcast. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.